Romans 10 verse 17. Hallelujah. So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Notice it didn't say faith comes by the word of God. It says faith comes by hearing. And then that hearing is by the word of God. The Lord said that his people did not receive the blessing. They missed it. Why? They had the word. They heard the word. But they didn't hear the word. They heard it with their ears. He said, these people have heard. But hearing, they do not understand. Seeing, they're not able to perceive. So this hearing is not just hearing physically. It can't mean that because even though we need to hear the message before we can place our faith in that message, we need to have the capacity to be all ears spiritually so we can receive from God. People can hear the good news and not benefit by that good news. If the government should say, we're going to send checks to every household in America, and somebody hears that, but they don't believe it, they won't be looking for it in the mail. They may even discard the mail. If they're told, if you show up to this location, we're going to pay off your mortgage. If they don't believe it, they're not going to show up. You can hear it physically, but not hear it spiritually. That's the danger that God warns us about. Whether it's for salvation or within that salvation, healing, deliverance, reconciliation, freedom from fear, anxiety, dark, depression. If we hear that God said He can do it, but we don't mix our faith with that message, we will not benefit from that. That's why the Lord says, take heed how you hear. The word is so powerful because it comes from the mouth of the Creator, the one who created everything. It is so powerful, but it stops short of transmitting that power to anyone who refuses to believe it as the Word of God. And we want to be people who have been trained, and we train ourselves, that every time I hear God speak, I will believe that report that God has spoken. Now, the apostle actually quotes Isaiah 53. If we back up a few verses, we'll see that he says, Isaiah says, who has believed our report? It's God speaking from heaven. And through the prophets, he's giving a message through people that he chose who are consecrated to transmit the message without any error or addition or deletion. Faithful people. 
So the word comes purely from heaven with that potency to transform our situation. It goes to a holy vessel and it comes exactly with the same potency that God delivered to the vessel. It comes to the people. But if the people, if we don't receive it with that faith, and the apostle says to different churches, when you heard us speak, you didn't receive it as the word of men, but as the word of God. It's a very key principle that God will continue to speak to his people. God says, keep believing everything I say, even when you don't see any sign that something's happening. The Jewish people were expected to believe that God would send the Messiah right from the time of Genesis. When he said, I will crush the serpent's head through that seed that's coming from Eve, Adam and Eve. And over and over again, God kept saying through Abraham and others, through the prophets after Abraham, who was a prophet himself, all the way down the line for centuries, because God had declared it. And God declares it once, twice, and he keeps on saying the same thing. Those who chose to believe, such as Simeon or Simon and Anna the prophetess, when they walked into the temple, they instantly knew, because the Spirit of God knew, that they, they were believers. They believed God's message. So they were given that privilege to actually lay eyes on that Messiah who was a baby at that time. But they were full of joy because even though they didn't see the full-grown Jesus, they just saw an infant. They knew this is the one. This is the one. Faith takes us from infancy all the way to full maturity. And the Lord Jesus says about the kingdom of God in Mark chapter 4, how does the kingdom of God actually spring up? How does it grow? He said, first the blade, then the ear, and then the corn. He said there's a definite progression. How God's kingdom manifests and expands in the globe, and then it becomes perfected. So each of us have a, a path to walk, and depending upon whether you choose to or I choose to, Lay hold of God's word and simply believe it, regardless of what we have heard elsewhere, what we feel, and what we see or hear with our senses. There's a definite transformation God is looking for in our faith walk, where I have to say, Lord, so the message that I'm hearing is coming through someone I can see, but I know it didn't originate with that person. This is the Word of God. When I make that connection, every time God speaks, there will be a breakthrough. For sure. And with that breakthrough comes another supernatural draw where God will take me by the hand and say, here's another breakthrough waiting for you. Keep on believing. The world says, just believe. Believe in what? Believe in whatever you want to. Everyone's got to have hope, right? So it's better having hope than no hope. But the trouble is, 
if you have hope in something that can deliver, you're deceived. But God says the hope that he gives will never put to shame anyone who trusts in him. So he expects us to believe. And then act like we believe. We're most familiar with the action required when it comes to perhaps healing. When somebody says, I have a splitting headache, I have such a migraine that it's overpowering me. But God, but God said, by his stripes I'm healed. He actually bore the punishment for my rebellion. That's iniquity. My transgressions, that's violations of his law. Everything that I ever did to prevent me from being intimate with God, my creator, and receiving his blessing, the Son of God paid for that. Once he paid for it, I can now believe and trust that the same blood that was shed on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago, the same Jesus who went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, the same Son of God who has manifested to destroy the works of the devil, as the scriptures say in Acts and in First John, is doing it today. So no one needs to be in bondage. It's a half gospel. It's not a full gospel. It's a distorted gospel that says, oh, God wants to save you from your sins, but your migraine... Your lack of funds, your beating up yourself for certain failures and family trouble and your education and your job and all of these things. It seems like, you know, I received salvation from God, but now I have to walk through this path alone. There's a severe dysfunction and disconnect within us. There's a realm called the soul as opposed to the spirit in the body. Man is tripartite, all of us, as we know. We're made of body, soul, and spirit. Sometimes they're interchangeable, the soul and spirit. But when we have three mentioned individually, the soul stands for that emotional part of us where we rationalize and we live in a plane that's below the supernatural. What ends up happening is we try to filter what God says that is supernatural and it comes to a halt where the delivery of the goods is stopped because we're not taking it by faith from our spirit. We have to live in the supernatural. We have to decide, I'm no longer going to walk by what I see and what I feel you know what happens to believers? Sometimes we hear the word, God has done something marvelous. We're able to breathe. We're able to uh, have things and do things that we know only God could have done that. Our faith rises up. And we begin to grasp that fellowship with God that can give those blessings. And then we start going back to our old ways. There's a tension and there's a pull. There's a tug of war. Because we're so used to living the old way. We're so used to taking care of business because nobody else will. We don't trust God enough 
God is speaking to us that we ought to go forward and determine to respond to every word of God from our spirits and say, yes, Lord. Even when I don't feel in my body, in my mind, the thoughts say, this is not going to happen, but God said it will. I've got to believe. Some of you have experienced that to a great degree because you went through a lot of trials. And you know that when you place your trust in God, trials did not come to an end. He delivered you, and then there's another battle. Then there's another one. And it seems that every battle seems to be more involved, seems to be more complicated. And like little David, God is saying, if you look to me, I will give you the wherewithal to take this battle too. To take this devil too. This obstacle also, I will help you bring it down. How does it happen? First the blade, then the ear, and then the corn in the ear. Faith is progressive. It's a gift, but it's also something that must be exercised. Otherwise, like the children of Israel, we could be stuck as Christians in the wilderness when God didn't mean for us to be there. Everyone can make or choose their destiny. The destiny to go to heaven is still a choice. But what about the years that I have to spend in my pilgrimage on earth? Do I have to go at it myself and withdraw little at a time from God's vast arsenal of weapons that He's given me and that heavenly bank account for every need that I have? You see, I can determine how much to withdraw according to the Scriptures. I can choose to live in a 30-fold type of life. And God will say, if that's what you want, you can have it. Or I can say, you know what? The Lord says 30, 60, and 100. It sounds good. It sounds progressive. It sounds ideal. But how do I connect with that? Faith. A faith that believes. A faith that obeys. Faith in the Bible, no matter what the world says and what we may have heard and thought about faith. For example, somebody says, have faith. You're going to win the race. Have faith. It's going to work out. Have faith. You're going to get that promotion. Even without God. People have networks. We lean upon friends and family and whoever will give us that encouragement we need. It's important. But it's so minuscule and almost immaterial compared to what God can give. And God is saying, you look to me, there will be a progress in your walk. But the moment we take our eyes off the Lord, our Christian growth becomes stunted. It's a real problem that the Lord addresses in the Gospels and the Epistles. The good news. What is the good news? The Gospel. Faith comes by hearing. Not just physical hearing. As I explained, many people heard physically. 
Now, you need to hear physically because we're physical people, beings. But as my ears hear it, so does my spirit. If the spirit doesn't hear it, then I'm spiritually deaf while I'm physically able to hear. The change won't happen. But if I muster up everything within me and simply say, God said it, that settles it. I know this is a big mess. I know that failure has occurred so many times in this area of my life. But God has spoken to me now, and that makes all the difference. God has said, if you believe me, you'll see the glory of God. Every time we hear the Word of God, every time we hear the Word of God, we have a choice to flip the switch up, say, I'm going to believe, or keep it down. Every time we hear the Word of God, we're either getting closer to the realization of God's plan for our lives, His solutions, or we're withdrawing, and now we have to go back again to get back to where we used to be. And you know, the devil has distractions. Just when I need to hear the Word, read the Word, he's so clever, that devil, he'll come and steal, kill, and destroy. He's a robber. Because he knows... If as a believer you're sincerely trying to please God, and you know God cannot be mocked and He cannot be deceived, and you don't want to do that to God. You want to grow in Christ. And the devil knows you're the one I have to prevent from hearing the Word and reading the Word. And so he will cause things to happen, but if our eyes are not open, we'll fall for the bait. And we'll start going with the flow of the natural and say, well, I can get this later. I can hear this later. I'll catch it on the way to work or, you know, um, maybe next Tuesday when everything's settled. We have to understand spiritual matters must become a priority. We have to feed our souls. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God has the capacity to create spiritual hearing. But if I don't connect with that by believing that God can do it for me, I bring that to a halt. And so the devil scans people all through the earth. Whoever calls himself or herself a Christian, the devil knows exactly what's actually operating in the person's life. He studies every one of us. He knows no matter what front we put up, how much faith we profess to have or how much we shout, he knows actual, the actual state. The devil will only fear people who are holy. You can't be holy without faith. The devil is afraid of not proud people, but humble people. You can't be humble without faith. The devil is afraid of people who genuinely, self-sacrificially love. You can't love without faith. Faith is what causes us to attach ourselves to God's promises and to His commandments. It's important to know that. Faith causes us to connect with God's promises. Everybody likes that. But also to His commandments. Both bring the child of God great delight. God never said only the promises, but the very commandments because they promote life. When God says, Thou shalt not do this, He knows if we do it, we're killing ourselves and other people. And so he says to us exactly what's going to kill us and what's going to give us life. And we have that choice. 
Faith is not just connected to the promises, but it adheres to the commandments. It relies upon them. We can't live without obeying God's commandments. We can't live. God gave us life that more abundantly, freely. But I have to connect with that. So when I hear the message, I have to say, Lord, I choose to believe. What message? That God can give us salvation? Yes. That's where we start. But too often Christians stop right there and they say, well, when I get to heaven, all my problems will be solved. It's written about Jesus in 1 John 3. He was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. When somebody's depressed, is that a work of God or a work of the devil? Which one is it? It's the work of the devil. Because God came to give us joy. He came to give us peace. He came to give us freedom. It's the devil that keeps robbing people. And as believers, we have to stand our ground and say, this is not right. I, I'm not taking this. I refuse depression in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I, I'm going to look to God and find all the promises that God says he's going to cause the devil to run when I submit to him and resist the devil. When God says rejoice, again I say rejoice, that's for me. I believe that God wants me to be a happy person. Sometimes we get into this rut because of trials and failures and what the devil has spoken over our lives. There are witches, there are sorcerers, warlocks, many of them today in these last days. And they cast spells, particularly against believers. We don't know. Most of the time. God knows. We need to know there's a force coming against my life and your life. 24-7. But there's a greater force to stop that evil force if we know the secret of connecting with God. Hallelujah. We have to determine, I'm not meant to live a depressed life. I'm not meant to be dependent upon some substance to get me through the day or through the night. That's a lie from the devil. I'm not taking that. The devil might say, you know what? You've been taking that and listening to me all along. I have to say, this is where it stops. Hallelujah. I'm not afraid, and I refuse this. Whatever it is that binds our hands together, it's not from God. God didn't create us to walk around with depression or anxiety or fear. The world will have all kinds of fear predictions. It will say, but well, look at the health crisis. Look at the economic collapse. Look at, look at what they're predicting about the weather. Look, many, many different things. To do what? Instill fear. But did God mean for us to fear when some unprecedented calamity comes upon the globe? You would think that many people believe that. Because they're convinced this is so big. This is so new. I'm, I'm sure that they didn't think about this when they wrote the Bible. I'm sure that God didn't see this coming. He's God. God says, sin shall not have dominion over you. No bondage that way. And he's not given me a spirit of fear. But of power, love, and a sound mind. That means every situation I face, you face. God says there's a solution. 
We have to believe that. I have to believe God has a solution for my problem. Even if I feel, even if I feel that this is just crushing me. Do you know there are people who go to work and they are doing well. They may be managers and supervisors and people respect them. They look up to them. But they're carrying hurt, maybe a recent wound in the soul, maybe family trouble, but they have to put on the face because you're a professional. It's true. You don't want to bring that into that area where others will be on the receiving end of your problems when you have to get work done. But isn't it a pity? Isn't it a shame? Isn't it so sad that people can go on with life? They say, well, you've got to move on. But truly, inside, there's no hope of deliverance. There's tacking on more things. Do you want to go to the Hamptons for the weekend? Do you want to go get ice cream? Do you want to go and do some cartwheels? Let's watch the NBA. How about a teddy bear? All kinds of food. Some people, they may not drink. They may not do drugs. But they go and eat. They go and sample the restaurants. It's a diversion for the hurt inside. But how many of us know food can't solve the problems of the soul? Food can't solve that. Travel can't solve that. Hobbies can't solve that. Only God can. Only God can. This is the message. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he didn't just come to give us this abstract concept of sin being cleared from our conscience. He literally did it. How do you know that? We have met former homeless people all across the nation when we traveled. From San Diego, homeless mission, to rehab centers in Maine, to Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, all over the place. You see these men and women who are broken down. They were either in jail or wasting away by the sewer on the street in broad daylight. Moments away from death, somebody said, Jesus loves you. They may have heard it many times before, but that was the day something clicked. We see them wonderfully in their right mind, with a smile, ready to tell the world what happened to them. That can't happen just like that. That's supernatural. Or people who are ex-prisoners. To have such a radical change when the government is stressed out with crowded jails, overcrowded jails, and the streets not being safe because of that, and trying to move the pieces as if playing with chess. People's lives. Not only the incarcerated, but those who are free on the outside. But when Jesus comes in, all of a sudden, that man, not only does he not have a desire to kill again, but his heart is broken, and he's desiring to build people's lives where once he destroyed them. Who can do that but God? That's the power of the message. The message is so potent. 
that we are able to hear that word and be touched in our spirits and be totally transformed. But the Bible says, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? Those who wish to partner with God and say, God, I need you to heal me. And Lord, when you healed me, when you've healed me, I want to partner with you to be your healing agent for other people. That's something very unique. It's something that goes to the core of a person that regardless of social status, regardless of educational status, racial, background, cultural, there's this supreme transcendency that causes them to love beyond what they ever thought possible. That's the beautiful life God has for us. Someone said this, your love is measured by the hate you can love through. Isn't that beautiful? How can you measure love by hate? That's not the end of it. Your love is measured by the hate that you can love right through. That's divine love. That's the kind of love that God has put in us. With that kind of love, we can't just say, Lord, fix my problems. And I want to have a better life. And Lord, I'd like to make new friends. And Lord, I want to feel better. I'd like more income, Lord. God says, I can give you all of that. And many times he does. But what's the use of that if I can't be his hands and feet and heart to those in need? So the Spirit of God is the one that causes us to have this hearing capacity. That when we hear that message, all of a sudden, we're able to connect with God and something new happens. People here and those watching online, whether in Australia or the Middle East or the States, as we have different people who come from those areas who had breakthroughs. How did it happen? They heard a message, but the message was not just things can be better, hang in there, hold on. It was that God can do what you can do. Hallelujah. God can do what no man can do for you. That migraine headache had all the way in Australia. I'm sure she's watching now. For what, 11 or 12 years? Going through medication after medication. In tears. The message and the presence of God going through the airwaves touched her and all of a sudden she didn't have the headache. The anxiety that some of you had who are right here today and others who couldn't be here today. So much anxiety that they had to depend upon pills and going to the ER. You know who you are. You have testified. How does a message transform a life like that? That means that message carries power. The message carries power beyond our capacity. And God who created everything says I can do it over and over and over again. We had a lady listening in New Mexico a few years back. We didn't know. Shared a 13 and a half minute broadcast on the radio that we had. 
And that woman wrote to us, sent a letter among many, and she said, I was depressed after my husband died, and all year long I've been unable to sleep. She said, but one broadcast that you put out there, I can sleep. How does that happen? You're not even in front of the person. No one can say, well, maybe they're doing something and they're trying to evoke something and maybe it's hypnosis. Yeah, this is what the world says and there is power to that. Auto-suggestion, let me tell you, no auto-suggestion can solve deep depression like that. You may have cover-ups and band-aids and you know what? They have to keep going to the shrink. They have to keep going to that pill. They have to keep going to this and that and the other thing. They all have their place. But wouldn't you like to be free completely? This is what God says. This is what God offers. And when we get free from something like that, anxiety and depression and substance abuse and dependency upon so many things. And you know, some people, they say, well, I, I don't drink that much. Or not at all. I don't take drugs. But I just need a live audience. You ever heard an entertainer say that? I miss a live audience. I did movies. I, I did all kinds of things. But I, I came back to a live... You know why? They said there's an energy there. And I live off of that energy. And what happens when the person dies or the people go away? You hit rock bottom. Frank Sinatra said, What good are friends? You learn to love them and they die on you when he lost some of his closest friends. That's the tragedy of the human condition. We, we rely upon almost everything, anything and everything, except the one who can give us True peace, true love, true joy, meaning and purpose. It's said about Voltaire, the French philosopher, who was so brilliant. And you know what he did? He made it his business that I'm going to destroy the book. He said, just in a few years, relatively speaking, he said, the Bible will be a museum piece. Nobody's going to believe this. This is back a few centuries ago. On his deathbed, his attending nurse said, I've never ever heard anyone scream with fear like this man. The very thing that can give us life, true liberty in the pursuit of happiness is God's word. And God says, I have it for you. And you can study history and philosophy and psychology and try to understand the world and yourself. But we always come short because people are still bound. And any measure of freedom they seem to have is so short-lived. Then we find out other things about them. And then we become more cynical. It's a terrible wilderness, really. And even the greatest artists, musicians, performers, if you study their lives, many of them, in the 60s, they had the pop artists, the culture in Soho and different places. You know what? It was the emerging new move 
For what? To try to find myself. Appreciate my world. And try to uh, get along. But if you look at their lifestyle, there was a new arrow in the morality too. Licentious living. Wasting themselves. But they're celebrated. Yeah, they were endowed with some gifts for sure. But what did they do with it? And what did it do for the world? But when God gets a hold of us, we become a point of transmission to actually minister life to other people. That's a glorious life. doesn't matter if you're a teacher, if, you are, uh, if you're a construction worker, if you're a doctor, if you are the president, whoever it is. You know, I'm not here by accident, number one. But it doesn't stop there. There's a definite purpose. God wants to use my life to bring real hope to people. Some of you here have struggled with drugs. Almost lost your lives. God set you free. God set you free in such a tremendous way that nobody could believe it. If you would have written about it in a book, but you're here in person. Some of you struggled with that deep sense of feeling lost. You know, the biggest question we have to answer first is our identity. If I don't know who I really am, what my purpose is, I would just go and play buffet with life try different things and hope that I come up happy. But God already made a declaration. He said, you can try, but since I created you, I know how you're wired. I know exactly what you need to find real fulfillment in life. The lifestyles of the rich and famous, how do you remember that show? I don't know if it's still around. But it was so intriguing. You find different people from different walks of life, and they've made it. And that interviewer would go right into their homes, and you see this tremendous mansion, and this is how the person works out, and this is how the person spends the leisure time, and they have all this money, and they can go anywhere they want. And it's so glamorous. But alas, when they are not able to enjoy it anymore, Bob Hope said, Famous actor, entertainer. I think he lived to be a hundred and something. He said, what good is money when you can't enjoy it? I have all this money, but I can't do a thing about it. You feel trapped. Why do I have to get old and die? But the Lord said, there's a rebellion and curse in humanity's line. And I'm solving it one by one. We get to go to God and say, God, if my identity is found in you, God, if this book called the Bible is not just a relic, Lord, if the transmission of the text is reliable for two millennia, as attested by the Dead Sea Scrolls and many other archaeological finds, if the transmission is so impeccably reliable with a few textual variants that have nothing to do with distorting the message, and you have it preserved through wars? 
catastrophes and they try to burn it and get rid of it, it's still around. There's still the most published book in the world. There's got to be something to this more than any other book. And if the message is reliably transmitted, maybe I can put my faith in the message as something for me. God has given ample evidence. As I mentioned in the beginning, the devil comes with distractions. There is a Satan, and he will come to distract us from the very thing that will build our faith. His job is to extinguish that faith, because he knows if we don't have faith in God, anything goes. Moral relativism. Who's to say you're right or you're wrong? It sounds good and very compassionate, friendly. The problem is, for the billions of people on the planet, everyone can have a different concept of right and wrong. So one person believes that, you know what? I can decide not to serve my country when they go to war. I don't have to defend. I let somebody else do that job, even though I'm capable and I'm supposed to. It's just my belief. Not me, but somebody can say that. Another one says, no, no, no. Whatever you believe, you've got to defend our home turf, or we're going to be gone. So who's to say he's right and I'm wrong, or vice versa? Another one says, you know what? I believe that we should not have to pay taxes. I'm not paying it. And when they get put in jail, they say, but I didn't believe it. Belief, fact, truth. Belief, fact, truth. Fact is what is. Belief is whether I choose to agree with it or not. Belief will not alter the fact. Belief won't alter the truth. The truth is something that transcends the facts and imparts something supernatural. That's how we get healed. That's how we got healed and delivered and so many things God did in our lives. I can choose to believe whatever I want to, but that won't alter the truth or the fact. So if I want to be true and have integrity, I need to find out what is the fact, what is the truth. And then I can choose to put that credence and faith in what real, what reality is. God is simply saying, if I am telling you that I created everything, and I love you, it's not an impersonal force, and I can fix whatever is wrong in your life, what keeps me from trusting that? Somebody says, but how do you know there's a God? How do you know? I can look at this pulpit right here or this lectern. And I can say, well, this lectern right here with the dimensions about 100 years ago, it was half the size. And then a million years ago, it was tiny. It was still like this, but it's very, very small. You need a microscope to see it. And over time, it just evolved. No one in their right mind would buy that. They'll say, look, this did 
just didn't pop into existence. Look at the dimensions. Look at the, the, the craftsmanship. Look at the materials. Somebody made this. And you say, no, it evolved. And you say, wait a minute. What about the watch I'm wearing? Did that evolve too? Yes. Everything evolved, including McDonald's. It evolved. It used to be a billion years ago, tiny little McDonald's, little Big Mac. You think, well, that's ridiculous. Come on. You know what? We're so much more complex than hamburgers, wouldn't you say? How do we evolve just like that? How do we evolve? You look at a vehicle. How did it evolve? And, I mean, everything just evolved. Maybe my grades evolved in school, too. I didn't have to study. I didn't have to think. I didn't have to look at the textbook or pay attention. Everything's evolving. Everything's evolving. Well, God says in Romans chapter 1, you have the creation and you have the conscience. You have the creation. You look at the stars. You look at the flower. Did it evolve? It's so complex. How could it possibly have evolved if I don't believe this evolved? You have the conscience. Innate within every human being, regardless of culture or time, history, where they lived, there's this internal moral barometer, if you will, that the moment I overstep my conscience, there's an alarm bell ringing. And the strength of that sound of the alarm will depend upon my personal integrity. So a person can have a tender conscience and grow in that, or they can kill that conscience. So when they interviewed Ted Bundy, the mass serial killer, before he was executed, the question was this, what made you become what you became? How did this happen? He said, it happened progressively. In so many words, that's what he was saying. He said, first, I was so afraid. I got into pornography and I, I, I needed somebody. And the more I looked at that stuff, the more the desires just got out of control. And I started to stalk people because I couldn't have any relationship. And, and then I, I went ahead and did the unthinkable. And he said, I almost died myself when I did that. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And then after a while, this slaughter of human life became so easy. How could a person be so grotesquely transformed for the worse like that? It starts when that conscience that knows there is some kind of morality that's universal gets overstepped. And then, just like any crime, whether it's a crime like that or crime that is blue collar or white collar, whatever you want to call it, we have consciences. There's a universal principle. A person can be a Buddhist. They can be a Hindu. They can be a Christian. They can be a, a, a Jew. They can be a Muslim. 
They can be agnostic. They can be atheist. They can be whatever. But you know what? Predominantly, just about every human being, whatever they subscribe to as far as their philosophy or their religion, you know what? If you tell them, is it wrong to kill somebody? They'll say, yes. And if you ask them why, they may say, well, because Buddhism teaches me that it's wrong. Or they may say, well, Christianity says it's wrong. You know what? What about the agnostic or the atheist? What reference do they have to say killing is wrong? Except there's something inside that said it's, it's wrong. We teach kindergartners and kids in nursery school that you don't go and hit the other boy or the girl. You don't grab their pencil. We teach them manners because it is character formation. Universally, it's agreed upon. Where did that come from? There's a conscience. Somebody says, well, you're talking about things that I can't see. It can't be scientifically proven in a laboratory. And, but there are many things that can't be proven that we believe in. Many things that we haven't seen even with our own eyes, such as our own brains many times, or the air we breathe. We believe it. Why do we check the air status outside? Because even though we can't see the particles, we're concerned. Somebody said, if it has this concentration, it can destroy you. How can we believe that? How easy it is for us to have faith in God when we truly become rational and compare what we choose not to trust in and what we choose to trust in. It's the easiest thing to trust in God. It's much harder to not trust in God when you look at the evidence of the cosmos in creation, your own conscience, furthermore, the very message of love. The cross represents love because somebody gave his life so that we can live. God wants us to just trust Him. That God, in my life, whatever has gone wrong, Lord, even as a believer, as a Christian, I still have to make choices. I choose to trust God for my education. You know, I had to do that. When I had that asthma and I, I missed school and my grades went down and, and I had this, this negative view of, of even trying to get through school, God shattered all of that. He gave me far more than I could ever have dreamed. God did it. Where did I get the faith? It started when I got healed, and then other things I saw. So there's a progress. And so long as we stick with God, like Abraham of old, keep walking with God, meaning, Lord, you speak, I believe, I follow. You say it, I trust you, I obey you. It's a beautiful walk. And whatever God has planned for your life and my life, no one will be able to stop it. It will bring life to other people. And that's the greatest treasure. Your life can bring life to other people. Your life can bring healing to other people. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So then faith comes by hearing. Let's get that verse again. Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This capacity to connect with God comes from the message that I hear audibly physically, but also spiritually. When I hold on to that, 
spiritual growth starts happening. My eyes start opening to the supernatural realm where I'm able to see clearly that there are forces beyond, behind what I see naturally happening that are actually controlling things, situations. And I, and I am going to trust in God for the supernatural to take place in my life. Praise be to God. We're going to praise God with worship, but I'd like you to think about what you've heard and consider where you are in that spectrum, if you will, of no belief, maybe, or full belief in God. There's a definite spectrum there. And the more we say, God, you healed me of this disease. Oh, God, I couldn't even get up out of bed, Lord, and you helped me to get up when I called on your name. And faith starts growing. And I start to trust God. And I say, oh Jesus, through you, all things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. And we bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. You are the God who said, I can do the impossible in your life. You have enabled us, Lord, to witness the impossible and the things that seem impossible become possible. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that when society even friends, Lord, and family, the educational system, the government, whoever have, not with a bad intention necessarily, but just as a matter of fact, has written us off the failures we've experienced. People who have told us, you won't amount to anything because of this or that. Lord, you have moved us from the fact to the truth. Hallelujah. Whatever the facts are, the truth is able to set us free. Hallelujah. Whatever the fact of the matter is right now, the truth is able to take me into a new kind of life. A life of freedom. A life of love. A life of joy. So I thank you, Lord, for showing us, Lord, how simple it is. Because you said, come like a little child. Come as a child. No matter what age we are. Because he who humbles himself like a little child will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven, you said. Lord, we thank you. You have made it so simple for us. As the great prophet Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our message? The ones who exercised the faith that was given to them. Hallelujah. And they have made great strides in their lives. Lord, I pray that with connecting 
with your love. We don't stop. We continue to walk with you. We continue to believe, Lord, when you say I will heal you, no matter what, we will hold on to you, Lord. We will declare what you said. By his stripes we healed. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, you're the God who spoke those words. And I thank you, God. You are delivering on those words and promises, Lord, to everyone who would choose to trust you like a little child so that you can do your supernatural wonders in our lives. This world can be healed, Lord, one person at a time. From our communities out into the far reaches of this world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we have seen, Lord, we have witnessed children in our own congregation who had different disorders be able to graduate with honors, hallelujah, who are told you're going to be left back, you're going to be left behind. When they chose to trust in you, received counsel and prayer, they received a miracle from you. Lord, those who are carrying deep wounds and hurts and abuse, who thought they could never break out of that, never smile. You did the unthinkable, Lord. You broke them out of that shell. Hallelujah. That they can smile and be happy. Thank you, Jesus. Only you can heal, Lord. We have seen it. Lord, we have seen people who are struggling financially. They said, how, I don't know how I could pay this. They trusted you. They called upon your name. They received prayer. And they saw, either in the mail or through phone calls or through email, Surprise gifts all of a sudden to help them pay their bills. Oh, you're so faithful, God. You still do what you did in Elijah's time. Just like you did through Elijah and Elisha. To the widow woman. To the leper from Syria. Traumatic healings and deliverances. You are the living God. Hallelujah. You are the living God. We love you. We thank you. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' precious name we praise you. Manifest your power again today. In Jesus' name, amen.